unusual couple, you know. Oh, I don't think that was ever in question. Hello and welcome back to To the Infinity Saga and Beyond, a Marvel Cinematic Universe fan podcast where we are breaking down WandaVision. I am Jordan Wiegand and I have, as always, Casey McGeorge. How is it going, everybody? It's going good. The penultimate episode of WandaVision is what we're covering today. It's hard to believe it's already been seven weeks and eight episodes because we had those uh, two to start off here. So it is uh, flown by, for me anyway. (laughs) It it, it has for me too. Like I I said on here before, you know, that's pretty much my my Friday uh, routine now is uh, grab something to eat on the way home, order some food so it's here when I get here. Then I sit back, relax, and there's two shows I watch. And this is one of them every Friday. And I'm not going to have it after next week. Right, there is a uh, special making of the week after, which I'm looking forward to. But yeah, it's going to be hard to say goodbye to this show because I've actually really enjoyed this. So I am uh, hesitant to say goodbye. Not the first show we're going to have to say goodbye to. uh, (laughs) I mean, not the only show. It is going to be the first one we have to say goodbye to. But then we have Superstore ending like a few weeks later. So it's going to be... uh, it's going to be painful. The only um, difference is one of them is going to be sadder to say goodbye to the other one. That's true. <laughs> and it's the one that ran a lot shorter, right? Uh, <laughs> um, we are covering episode eight of WandaVision, which is called Previously On, written by Laura Donnie, directed by Matt Shackman, premiered February 26, 2021 on Disney Plus theme song. Uh, there's no theme song in this one, sorry. And the score was by Christoph Beck. Wanda embarks on a troubling journey, revisiting her past for insight into her present and future. Initial thoughts. So I saw a couple of reviews for this one uh, last night after I watched it. And for whatever reason, they weren't that high, but I really like this show. I think it was a good break from the sitcoms and the sitcom tropes that we've seen. It prepares us for the final episode, but I think it also explains enough, at least for me, uh, it explains enough for me to explain how we got to where we are. I agree. Uh, I saw... (laughs) Now, let me just say, I haven't seen a lot of complaining about it. What I've seen a lot of is people complaining about people complaining about it, if that makes sense. I saw a lot of people saying like that they've seen people call this episode filler or, you know, uh, not a great episode. The filler one is very confusing. Do people not know what filler means? Filler is like... None of it matters. This shows you all of Wanda's motives. It explains where Agatha comes from. It explains... uh, It sets up the finale with the very end stuff here. I don't see how any way this is considered filler. Especially when you have all these 
uh, emotional scenes. And, and I think that's what I liked about it. This is what you can do. Um, not that the MCU has had trouble characterizing people, but when you have um, a TV show, you can spend a lot more time characterizing uh, the characters, uh, giving them emotions, and it gives the actors a lot more to play with and a lot more time to spend with the characters. And I think that really pays off in this episode, especially. So here's one in particular, um, IGN, which is a very credible website, right? Uh, they, they do a lot of like video games and movies. And I mean, uh, you got to take reviews with a grain of salt because everything's a little different for everybody. Right. And I understand that. Right. But WandaVision Season 1, Episode 8 review, it gave it a 6.0 out of 10. And it's it's heading, it says, WandaVision's penultimate episode feels more like revision before final exam rather than the start of its concluding act. Um, I don't necessarily agree. Uh, I can't even begin because there's 617 comments on this. Um, I don't even want to go through the comments because it's it just it, the one there's too many of them two comment sections are just the bane always of assessful yes yeah <laughs> but I, I mean I, I'd say with 600 and something comments on it, it it it's garnered a lot of response one way or the other or both ways at least um, I would say a probably a lot of disagreeing with it just in the sense of I feel like a lot of people that go out of their way to comment on stuff want to tell you how wrong you are. So I, I feel like <laughs> I feel like a lot of times people don't comment if they agree on something because they just like, oh, yeah, I agree with that. And they move on. But I or think sometimes people disagree. They just like want to tell you or sometimes it's just real brief. Right. But yeah, uh, yeah. I didn't really scroll through the rest of the review to read what it said was wrong because I was kind of disappointed by the thought of it saying it's it, it that whoever reviewed it wasn't happy with it. So I, I may scroll through later just to at least see his rationale and reasoning. Um, not saying it'll change my mind, but just to at least see why he, yeah, why, why this person said, said that. I mean, they may have some valid points once I read it. I don't know. I'm not going to – I can't just say – I'm not just going to come out and say, oh, that this guy's garbage doesn't know what he's talking about. I haven't read it, so I can't, you know. But like I said, 600-something comments on it will kind of say, like, people feel strongly one way or the other. And then there's always a chance of someone who disagrees with the initial review, but then someone else agrees with that review and is commenting back on the person who yeah. disagrees with it. So that's where it gets into the cesspool thing. And then eventually there's like racist and sexist comments that get thrown about. Mm. And then the world ends up on fire. And then I feel like the dog in that cartoon strip. Yeah, yeah, where yeah. Where it's like everything is fine, but everything around you is on fire. Um, I thought it was a good episode. I enjoyed seeing initially their view of Agatha's beginnings. And getting more of an overview of how it led us to get to where we are. And I think they did a really good job with that. Yeah. And, uh, I try to stay away recently from what people say about the show until we record. Like I usually listen to podcasts of these type of shows, like as soon as I can lately on Saturdays, I've been staying away from it until we record. Cause I don't want it to influence, uh, 
my opinion or influence my um, theories or you know any anything like that. So I, I usually try to stay away from stuff. I'll read some stuff, but uh, a lot of times I, I don't get as in deep to it as I used to because like when I was just a viewer. Because uh, I feel like if I just come here and spout stuff that everybody else has already uh you know kind of figured out i guess it, i'm not really adding my own you know opinion so i've been trying to stay away from that and uh i i really haven't read much at all about things for this week so i will be interested to go back and see what people think um so i guess let's go ahead and get into the plot of it here the very opening scene is salem 1693 and it's set up here to make you think that Agatha's being burnt for being a witch, but they really pull the wool over your eyes here, and it's actually that she has betrayed her coven, and uh, it's other witches that are trying to uh, kill her, including her mom. <laughs> so when I when I first saw this, like initially. You know, when it, it it shows you Salem, whatever you said, 1796 or whatever, and it shows it shows her being led. So I I, I was watching. I was like, OK, I thought the same thing. She's a witch. She's being, you know, she's being persecuted for being a witch in the Salem witch trials. And then when I saw initially, like a few seconds later, one of the people escorting her away used magic to put uh, to bind her hands. Like that made me kind of cock my head a little bit. Like, wait a minute, this this doesn't seem right. Yeah, I didn't really. Uh, I think on my second watch, I really was like, why did I think that this was the the way that I was led to believe? Because really, all these women have hoods on. You know, they're they're kind of leading out in the middle of nowhere. Even her mom doesn't really look like somebody that would just be a resident of Salem. So. A uh, little easier to understand and, and realize when I watch it the, the second time than when I watched it the first time. I was just kind of like totally buying the whole uh, the whole facade, I guess. Because <laughs> you, you know what throws you off is it just saying Salem. And that year, you know, you're like, oh, obviously the Salem witch trials. But it's, it's really putting a spin on it. So I... I... I really like this scene to kind of set up Agatha uh, where you don't necessarily know you don't know what she's how true or accurate she is about what she does or doesn't know um, when it comes you know when they start questioning her and then when you get to see kind of the gist of her power uh, I really enjoyed that Yes, yeah, so let's talk about her power a little bit then. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming they were all trying to kill her, uh, but she was somehow absorbing their power, which then somehow, I guess, sucked the life out of them enough where they looked kind of old and drained, uh, almost almost like a Dementor from Harry Potter. But um, yeah, that that's kind of seemed like what it was. And then, uh, you know, her mom, I guess, was the strongest of them and, she was trying to handle her for a bit, and uh, they say things like, you went above your station, and I guess used power that she shouldn't have, and 
She says, I didn't break your rules. They simply bent to my power. So we're not really sure, I guess, what the rules were. I don't think it's ever really clear here. Um, just magic she shouldn't have been using that she has uh, used. And I guess she used that power again here to kind of get out of that. And I, what I thought was haunting, too, I'm not sure if she was being 100% truthful, but that she wanted to be good, right? That she can be good. And her mom says, no, you can't. You know, she's like, I can be good. Just like, teach me, show me. And it's almost one of those where I feel like maybe it's, did you ever watch Smallville on, uh, at all? I hadn't. Okay. So uh, for people that don't know, it is like a young Clark Kent, Superman story. And in that iteration, he's friends with Lex Luthor uh, as a kid, like as a teenager. And the way that like Clark doesn't trust Lex with his secret of being, you know, like a, you know, having superpowers, uh, all the times that he could have came clean about it and Lex uh, would have accepted it. And it kind of pushed him to his evil ways by feeling, you know, neglected that his friend was lying to him the whole time. I feel like it's almost like this where, you know, again, it depends on if Agatha was truthful here, but if she's saying she can be good and if that's actually what her intention was and you keep treating her like this because of something else, you're almost pushing her more to be that evil person that you already think she is, like a self-fulfilling prophecy. It could be that or it could be maybe, uh, I hope I get the phrase right, uh, ultimate power ultimately corrupts. Where maybe she she wants to be good, she can, but because she started looking for something that's well outside of what she's capable of, and well outside of something of of what she's supposed to do, kind of like uh, what happened with uh, Anakin and uh, turning into Darth Vader, where maybe had he been trained more and worked up to getting a certain level of power, he could have used it differently. But so, maybe yeah, right, and the rest right. Of the like, uh, like when they grant him being on the council, but don't grant him the title of master, and he takes that as a slight, and it just makes him more pissed off. <laughs> yeah, and, and maybe, yeah. like I said, maybe... Maybe he would be fine if you had granted him master. Or, or not that, but like I said, maybe just because they started reaching out more than they should have. So, like, with Agatha... Maybe had she learned and worked her way up to this level of magic, she could have been good and been able to use it in good ways. But by maybe jumping the gun and going above her station and trying to use this magic well ahead of when she should have, it ends up corrupting her because she's not ready for it. If that makes any sense. Could be. Could be. I mean, I I don't know anything about it. I'm just spitballing here. I don't know how well this actually follows with the comics or whatever or i mean like like we kind of alluded to last week she's more of a mentor to wanda than an antagonist so they're kind of going off book here they're kind of mixing some things up so i i believe from everything i've seen that this is kind of new territory here for agatha being completely evil there's times where she'll kind of be on the good side be on the bad side but she's usually a mentor this is very straight up uh, as we get into later to it, um, 
kind of full antagonist. Uh, I think I think at this point, I'm not expecting another big bad, right? I'm expecting Agatha's the main villain, and so is Hayward. And I think I, that's all right. I still think there's one more reveal that they have left. Um, but I just don't know. Anything else about the Salem thing? Cause, or are we good, good to move on to the rest of the plot here? Uh, I just... The, the fact that she starts sucking the power out of these people and is able to eventually kill everyone um, is fascinating to me. And I know they'll never do it, but I really wish I could see more of Agatha's story from the Salem witch trials up until we meet her now. We could. I mean, it, anything's possible. You know, that's um, like a four, but that's like a 403, 400 year gap. And I know it's a lot of time and it'd probably be really hard to cover. But just the just the thought of them and and Catherine or Han, what, yeah. yeah, Catherine Hahn portraying this character more to show what's happened between the 1800s and now, I think would be fascinating and and I think would be great storytelling. But I just don't think we'll ever get it. Jeez, you know the best part about living that long is you make it through all of those terrible years, and now you end up in like the best time to live. You're like, oh, there's TV, there's things to do other than just churn the butter and, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, farm. Yeah, <laughs> like for me, if I would live that long, I'd be like, okay, I think uh, I think this is the era that I am very thankful we made it to. <laughs> Well, just I, a bathroom, I, indoor I forget plumbing. what I was. I forget what it was I was watching or listening to, and I think it had to deal with vampires. But they talked about living that long, and how basically you you go through so much and you live for so long, but everyone you know and love eventually dies. So even though you're always constantly surrounded by people, how lonely a life like that has got to be, unless you're surrounded yeah. by other immortal people. Right, again, bringing it back to uh, superheroes, another Superman-type situation, which is not Marvel, but, you know, he, he's usually the one that, uh, since he's almost immortal, uh, he, he ages very slowly. He sees, you know, it's always alluded to, he'll see his parents die, he'll see Lois die, he'll see anybody, all of his friends die before, you know, he does. So so it's one of those where he's kind of meant to be alone. Um and, and that's kind of the same thing with Agatha here. She can have, I mean, obviously she killed all these people. They could have probably lived forever with her, I guess. I'm not really sure. Do the witches live forever or is she like stealing their life force where it makes her live longer? We don't really know. I'm assuming she just lives a long time. Um, but let's move on from there. Uh, we we kind of cut back to the basement. This is where we kind of left off last week. And we have uh, Agatha kind of grilling Wanda and also doing her villain monologue, you know, that villains do. But she's uh, trying to find out where Wanda got her powers from or how she's able to do all of this. So first thing that's interesting is Wanda tries to use her powers uh, and by right trying to read her mind, I guess. And, and Agatha realizes this and says... My thoughts are not available to you, and they never were. Oh, this was so good. This portion <laughs> right here was so good for me 
because it just showed that it just showed that no matter how strong or powerful we think and believe and know Wanda is, she just didn't have it all. Like this, right? You know, there's always someone else, or you're just in the wrong place. And Agatha, Agatha came ready and just said, "No, not not gonna, not gonna happen." And then she tries to use her powers, like her, you know, like her hand powers, where she gets the red, all that kind of stuff. And and Agatha says something interesting too, like you can't use your powers here. Only the ones who cast the runes can. And they showed like these, you know, old runes or stones with uh, runes as R U N E S. Uh, you know, with um, like lit up symbols in the purple magic color. So. And she's asking her, like, how do you not know the fundamentals? So at this point, she's starting to realize that Wanda doesn't really know anything about sorcery, right? She doesn't really know anything about witchcraft. She's very green. And then I think that's what makes Agatha so frustrated is because she then says, you know, uh, when it comes to the cicada, she calls a cicada in there. She controls it, makes it move around, implying that it takes a lot of years and work to even learn how to control something like that and uh, turns it into a bird and implies about controlling the people in the town and how having them adhere to complex storylines must be something really strong that, that not even Agatha could probably do. And she wants to know, how can Wanda even do this? She's even putting people miles away from Westview on this. And that's alluding to, you know, the Eastview cops and the people that don't remember seeing Westview and stuff like that. And she calls it magic on autopilot. And it's like, you know, this is power that Agatha would want. And for some reason she does want this. We're not really sure why, what her ultimate goal is, but she wants to know how Wanda got there and uh, she wants to figure it out because this is pretty impressive. And I think that's to tell the viewer as well that this is not something ordinary sorcerers or witches can do. You know, that this is something that uh, takes a lot of work and really Wanda is almost the only one that can just do this so effortlessly. And you said in the comics she uh, she's actually like a mentor to Wanda, correct? Yes, yeah. So... And we'll get to this later. I think I don't necessarily think that Agatha is a bad guy here, and that's why I said I'm still waiting on someone else. Um, I think she's just trying to maybe show her how to harness and work her power instead of uh, like trying to take it from her or something. Yeah, I, I I think that's the way I thought they were going to go until this episode, really. And we'll get to it later, but I'm not so sure that that's the case at this time. Um, we'll see, obviously. Like, next week, it's really the make or break. We don't have to wait too long now for some of these theories. Um, but, uh, so Agatha takes a, a hair from Wanda's head and it, you know, and opens a door to the past. She puts a spell and we see her apartment in Sokovia with her parents and brother. And it uh, looks like, I don't know, I'm really sure. Does her dad sell DVDs as a job on the streets? That's I, what it seems to imply. So 
so I'll, I'll take maybe some of my experience in, in some of these places, uh, especially when there's Americans around. There is a really big bootleg market in a lot of these places, um, not only for not only for the locals, but for also like American forces and stuff like that that's around. That's actually how I ended up getting into Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Like I, I watched, uh, I watched an episode or two, and thought it was okay. And then I was in Iraq, and we had some vendors over there that had, uh, you know, vendors of stuff like that. They weren't legitimate copies; they were bootleg copies. And then you get them in these various cases that they kind of printed and made up on their own. And I, I think I got the whole series of Buffy for like twenty or thirty bucks. Um, and a, a buddy of mine kind of convinced me. He's like, "Look, watch it up until this point. If you don't like it, then I'll buy. I'll, I'll give you money back, and I'll buy it from you." And I bought it and liked it. So, uh, plus I know in a lot of these countries, uh, I don't know if it's still this way. They were behind in television for a while. Um, like I know who is it, Vladi Divots, who ended up playing for the Lakers and the Sacramento Kings. Uh, he, his first English words were like, yabba dabba do from watching the Flintstones. And that was in like the eighties, early nineties from, I want to say Yugoslavia. That's interesting. Yeah. So, so some of these, like they, depending on what's going on in their country and how their television is set up, they may not necessarily be caught up with watch it right so i think maybe i the way i took it was yes i like that's partly his job was he sold these these television shows and dvds but they also as a family would watch every right they said what every friday night they watched and that was how they practiced their english yes yes that's how they practiced their english i will say these were not bootlegs though these were the legit sets from what i could see it, now, the especially only, that Dick Van Dyke set that is very legit. That's how it looks. The only thing I'll say is, well, I don't know if those actually were. It very well could be, but some of these, some of the box sets like that can be very convincing as well. Yeah, yeah, but I, a lot of the ones I've seen have have been really fake. The only reason I'm saying these were legit is because. Uh, they probably would not want to show a bootleg set here. They had they probably had to get clearance rights and make sure they looked legit. And oh yeah, I mean for I'm the show, oh they, the show. they had to. But, it's well, but, it's Disney, so they have the money for it. But they did get clearance because they actually started showing like the stuff, actual yeah. yeah scenes from these shows. So yeah, I'm pretty sure they they did it legitimately. But I think it's one of those if you know you know. Yeah, yeah. where the people who know. Like I said, it may not have been; those may have been legitimate, but those of us who have ex- had experience with it kind of realize they may not. You don't always get legitimate stuff. But so, if I was in Sokovia, man, I'd be hitting up Wanda's dad every day because I I collect so many DVDs. I'd be back there all the time. <laughs> Dude, I'm t- telling you, when we were when we were in Iraq, we would go, uh, and we had there were like maybe two or three vendors on our little camp. We would go to them like every like every couple of days because they would get new stuff in, and whether it's movies or a DVD with like two or three movies on it, or like like I said a box set of like like I said I got the box set of Buffy for like 20, 30 bucks, 
Do you still Box have it? Or, no, that this was 10 I didn't know if you years. would upgrade it, like if you if you kept any of them or if you just upgrade when you get back home to the real I, thing or I did. Eventually eventually what ends up happening sometimes is some people take them home. You're not supposed to because going through customs you can get you Oh, trouble. true. True. So what ends up happening a lot of times is when the unit that comes in Pass to replace you, yeah, a lot of times you either, because usually there's TVs and DVD players, you sell it to them for dirt cheap anyway, because you're just trying, like, you want to get out of country and you're just trying to get away. So it's like, yeah, I'll sell you this stuff and, oh, here's all these DVDs for, like, 50 bucks or whatever. Because you're really not going to do much, like, you're not going to be able to do much with it anyway. And, they, and while I don't know anyone who has gotten in trouble for it, I know a lot of people who have brought some of them back, but you get this whole big briefing about how you can't get in trouble for bringing back unlicensed and right. bootleg stuff. So a lot of times guys are like, yeah, just not even going to deal with it. Don't even want to take the chance. Um, but I have, uh, for a lot of the sets that I had, I have upgraded to the actual versions. Awesome. Uh, so yeah, they have the family TV night watching old sitcoms to help escape their, you know, living situation. You know, Sokovia, as they mentioned in Age of Ultron and, it is a war-torn country. This is a country that is constantly, it seems like, in the middle of something. And we even see that when the mom looks out, uh, Wanda's, it looks out the window and, and you see, you know, it's right gunfire. Yeah, house. it's right in front of the like house. It's, like, it's, it's, it's not like something you can hear off in the distance or whatever. Like, this is legitimately, like, right there in front of him. So, so her, her dad, you know, opens up the suitcase he says he'll sell them tomorrow and they have malcolm in the middle in there i saw i love lucy i saw adam's family bewitched um the dick van dyke one is something they keep though that is something that's in a special spot that uh, it's wanda's favorite it seems like that uh, they pull out the the dvd set she wants to watch like season two episode 23 or something right uh and they sit down to watch this, and uh, let me tell you, Catherine Hahn was really funny in this part, too, when Pietro's, like, just being loud, and she's like, we're right here, <laughs> you know? Um, she She's so great in this show as well, because she can play every type of role. There's times where she's very menacing. There's times where she's just hysterical. Uh, she's, at the beginning, she was kind of, like, sympathetic, you know? It, it was... A great episode for Catherine Hahn as well as uh, Elizabeth Olsen, and and that's that's one of the reasons why I have the thoughts I did of what she's trying to do because she showed such a wide range of emotions here, dealing with Wanda and dealing with what was going on. And as I think back to all a lot of stuff Catherine Hahn has done, um, I think I saw something last week or the week before. Where she had talked about she was always uh, she was always portrayed as like a, a weird or kooky best friend, and right there was another actress that w- that was the same things and someone I think it was on Twitter and someone brought up like well why don't we just make put the two of these together in a movie and have them like and it went on this whole Twitter rant and it was it was funny and it was like hey that would actually work but Catherine Hahn has played so many characters over the years and now that I think back to it. And realize all the different things she's played. And I never really looked at it this way before to give her the credit that she deserves as an actress. Because she was always playing like the kooky best friend 
or you know an anchorman or stepbrothers or these weird wacky comedies where she's just doing outrageous stuff and there's been some outrageous things in this series as well but she's shown like a a, a, a very wide range of stuff and you could tell she put effort into it and it's one of those where as i as i watched as i've watched her in this I've really opened my eyes like, wow, she could do so much more. And I hope I hope she gets a ton more work from this. And I hope she gets recognized during award time next year. Yeah, yeah, I, I hope they I hope everybody does. This show should be winning almost every Emmy that's offered. I think. My, my only fear is that because it's a superhero yep. thing and it's yep. Marvel, it will completely get overlooked. Um, I think usually the TV side is better at that, but yeah, that's I'm worried about that as well. It's it, I mean it's definitely more welcoming than like the films, uh, you know, at the the uh, Oscars. But the TV still. side has a lot more categories too, so you can yeah. go with like comedy or drama, like a musical thing. Like there's a lot more different things that they can do with it. But yeah, like Black Panther was nominated for Best Picture a few years ago. And while it was a good step forward, um, you don't see movies like that really recognized for the amount of work, unless it's like special effects or makeup yeah. or something. And a lot of times it's because the movie makes so much money and it's so popular. And you get some weird foreign indie film that like sweeps the awards because it's some kooky, weird foreign project. And not to say that those aren't good films, but... It, to me, it seems like some of these movies are just overlooked because they're popular movies and, and yeah. from Marvel and things, and it's it's frustrating. It's like anything really popular in the in the actual with in pop culture uh, will not get the recognition when it comes to those movies awards because uh, they almost I feel like the voters look down upon that stuff as being too basic or too popular by the masses so it can't be the winner you know type of thing um i i said here that this calls back i feel like to wanda wanting to sit and watch tv with vision at the end of all the original episodes you know in the 50s 60s and 70s episodes it seems like they always end it with them being on the couch watching tv together i feel like that really set it up from this moment you know where that's always how she escaped uh, you know, their their living situation was being able to just get lost in TV with her parents. And this is the night that the bomb comes in and, and kills her parents. And then another one comes in and never goes off. Um, it's, it's the night that basically changed her life. Yes. Yes. Uh, they, you know, they hide under the table. The TV is still playing the Dick Van Dyke show. Um, and she says, you know, like at the end of the episode, you realize everything is a bad dream, you know, trying to move on from this traumatic experience here. Uh, but it's not like TV where she'll never wake up in it being a bad dream, which is why eventually when we get to WandaVision, she creates it like a TV show, right? Where everything ends up fine at the end of the episode all the time. This is part of the reason why. I don't understand when people are complaining about filler and such. This is this is explaining right here why WandaVision is set up the way it is. Why people 
ultimately sat down and probably watched the first two episodes and thought, oh, this has to get better, right? Because uh, they weren't expecting that type of show. And this is showing why here. She wants to escape from the troubles of her life, and this is the way she did so as a kid. But now she has the power to make it real. And that every time she wakes up, she's living the perfect life. She's living in television where everything wraps up neatly in 22 minutes and she's on to the next episode. And this, everything that we've seen so far makes sense because it's things that she grew up watching the Dick Van Dyke yes. show. There was the Malcolm in the Middle, you know, box set in there. There was, you know, I Love Lucy and like Bewitched. all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And so. This makes a lot like it, it makes a lot more sense now because you're seeing things literally from her eyes of this is what I grew up watching. This is what got me through life. And that makes more sense. So. Right. This wasn't just like Marvel saying, let's do 1950s style. This actually has a reason inside the universe of why she's doing it. And some people might think she's too young to know what the Dick Van Dyke show is. Well, now it explains that, you know, when you're in these other countries and, uh, you know, they don't have access to some of the same things we do, they're watching stuff behind. Or, you know, because her dad sells these DVDs, she's seeing all these old shows. Um, moving on. Uh, so Agatha seems to suggest here that Wanda actually say, used her magic to save her brother and herself. And to make sure that the bomb never goes off. Uh, this seemingly is kind of retconning the fact that she got her powers from the scepter. And that now the scepter has just enhanced her powers. Which I think a lot of people saw coming just now that they have the rights to the Fox stuff. They're able to say the word mutant. It's It could be retconned that she was a mutant this whole time. I, I think that might be where they're heading. But, uh, yeah, I think that uh, she probably did somehow unconsciously, uh, you know, or subconsciously save her brother and herself. Yeah, I, I, I read something last night afterwards that the same thing that you had just brought up, that it kind of retcons how we were told... Uh, we, wh how we were told she came about her powers and everything. So it, it's one of those where uh, whatever it said, the same thing. It, it could be opening the door maybe for the X-Men to come in because now it's showing you that there were people with these powers before. They don't, they don't have to worry about, uh, they don't have to worry about going by another name. I don't know what, name maybe they had before um since they couldn't use mutant since fox had it but right um this is a good retcon for me uh, you know retcons are not always bad things uh retcon is technically just any time you they show something in a new light that makes you realize something is different than the way it was originally presented uh, and in this case, it makes sense because as we'll explain here with the next room, we're going into the Hydra area when she is being experimented on. They do mention that, you know, all of the previous people did not survive. 
Uh, they mentioned that in Age of Ultron as well, that the, or whatever the end credit, I think, what, whichever movie sh- they were in the end credit scene of, uh, or during Age of Ultron, I don't remember which one, but it, it explains there that um, her and her brother were the only ones to survive the testing as well. So now you can say, well, why were they the only two? It's not just happenstance. They had some sort of previous exposure to something or they both had latent abilities in them that the stone just amplified so they didn't die from it right like you can make it work where it makes sense with the information they've already provided us and you know you get to see it in a new light Uh, sometimes people hear the word retcon and just immediately start thinking bad things but uh (laughs) in this case i think it works really well it kind of to me retconning isn't always a bad thing sometimes when you first come up with an idea it could just simply be a situation where you you were kind of going through a rough draft and you just put an idea out and now maybe as time goes on you have a way to flesh it out a lot more it, you know a way that makes more sense and may i think that's kind of what they did here yeah yeah definitely uh so we walk into the hydra room uh you know, she's in the room with the scepter. Uh, the stone comes over uh, from the scepter. Ooh, sorry, yawning. Uh, and flies over to her. And she sees the mind stone inside of it as it explodes. I think this is something only she's seeing. I don't think anybody else is seeing this. And it looks like she sees either a future Wanda or a vision of her at a different time with the Scarlet Witch costume on. Uh, Or maybe this is some sort of possession because it seems like she's like the the Scarlet Witch is going into her when she then falls. So I'm not really sure exactly what's going here. But uh, then, you know, she falls down on the ground. They put her back into her cell i guess you can call it and she's just watching another old sitcom there as she's kind of recovering from what just happened and that's all we really see of the hydra uh section all right uh and then we get to avengers compound where she's watching malcolm in the middle uh vision comes in to see her and they talk and you know he offers some wisdom this has got to be not long after pietro died in age of ultron yeah, because she talks about how everything hurts still. Yes, and Vision says this great line of what is grief if not love persevering? And uh, Vision always has these great lines because he's able to study humanity uh, kind of without the emotion. And, and you, you feel sad for him too here because he mentions that He's never had to go through any of this because he's never been able to like feel any of this, right? Like he's never, he's always kind of been alone in that sense where he's just, you know, he, he doesn't really feel that attachment with anything. So he never had to worry about losing anybody. And uh, it makes you realize that these two are really perfect for each other. And it sounds crazy because one's an Android and one's, <laughs> one's a witch, but you know, uh, they're, they're both just going through their own self-discovery and Wanda's going through some uh, awful emotional things. And, you know, Vision 
starts to, I guess for the first time, start actually feeling things. And, uh, you know, when I think about Vision as he's, he's saying these things, I kind of forgot, like, I, I, I keep forgetting that he's actually not human. He's a computer. Right, that, yeah. That, you know, got programmed with Jarvis, and I don't even know how Jarvis came about. Maybe I missed it in Iron Man or something, or it wasn't explained. Or Yeah, he was just already created. It was so long ago that I forgot. But then, you know, Ultron did his thing, and, you know, he has all this knowledge, but I keep forgetting that he's not an actual human being and th- this brings me to uh emma caulfield her character on here that we haven't seen in quite a few episodes um which i'm hoping we'll see again next week there was an episode of buffy the vampire slayer called the body where buffy's mom dies like on the couch she has an aneurysm and dies and I know this is not the best time to bring up this man's name, but uh, Josh Whedon made it, and he did a great thing with this episode. Not anything he's he's accused of, and it was probably done. But with this episode, he didn't put any background music in it because background music always kind of tells us and shows us how to feel. So there's no background music in this that gives us our emotional cues. And you can kind of feel everything off in this episode, but you don't know why till later. Emma Caulfield's character, because she's actually a demon that became human, doesn't understand death. And she talks about how she doesn't understand. Like, Joyce was there. Joyce is is Buffy Summers' mother. She was there, and she's not there. And she won't be able to experience these things. And she won't be able to have crunch anymore. And she just, like, because she's, she's very awkward around all these other people because they forget a lot that she's not human. So she has a tough time kind of rationalizing some things, or she's just, she's also just very blunt because she doesn't understand subtlety. And this kind of brings me back to the same thing that as smart as vision is, he still has so much more to learn because he can't really replicate human feelings and emotion. He can't truly understand everything that a human goes through. And it wasn't until this that it, it kind of hit me at the same time. Like, I got a little bit of it last week where, you know, he talked about how he had to watch, uh, Wanda had to watch him die. Or, you know, Wanda had to kill him first and then watch him die afterwards. And then this right. kind of put more onto that where, yeah, like he, to him, this is just a completely foreign, no matter how smart he is, it's just a foreign concept. It's interesting, too, for you to mention Buffy because Joss Whedon actually did write Avengers Age of Ultron, which introduced Vision as well. So I'm sure some of that is not a coincidence uh, in those circumstances. And then we get to the sword facility. And (laughs) what I really like here is when she's trying to get in there and and the person wants to walk her in and she's like, I got it. And she just bursts the door open with her magic. We find out Go that ahead, yeah. we find out that what we were shown and what we were told about her collecting vision was not mm-hmm. completely accurate. Yes, Hayward is a liar. He is a filthy liar. As we see here, Wanda actually only wants him back to bury him. She just wants to bury the body, 
so she can move on. Um, Hayward actually gives her the idea of bringing him back online. You know, he says not everybody has the abilities to bring, you know, their significant other back online or, and then he corrects himself and says alive or whatever. And she even says, I don't want that. You know, I just, I just want, I can't do that. Right. I don't think she thinks she can actually do that. Uh, she just thinks that, uh, she just wants the, the body to bury him. And they, then, you know, <sighs> Hayward is such a jerk. The way he talks about Vision is as like a thing and as a weapon. And we see Vision all cut up into pieces down there. This guy was an Avenger that laid his life down on the line for you guys. Okay. I have to play devil's advocate here to an extent. Vibranium (laughs) is, from what we gather, it is one of the most expensive elements in the world, correct? Yes, and he said he's, there's like $3 billion worth on Vision. Not only that, it is, it's it's like the hardest known, like, it's the stuff Captain America's shield is made out of. Black Panther's uh, suit, yeah. Yeah, so th- this thing can cause, like, this this thing, not only is it valuable, it's it's effective in many ways. He probably didn't explain it or go about it the best of ways, and he could have done it differently. But I can understand his rationale of saying, I cannot allow you to take Vision. Once again, he's not human. I know Wanda has an attachment to him. But I, like, if I take a step back and look at this just overall from a perspective, he is not a human being, right? I can't, like, if I'm him, I, I do the same thing. I, no matter how sympathetic I, I, I am... I cannot allow you to take $3 billion worth of vibranium and all the computers and and everything that is involved in Vision and bury him. Not only that, I cannot take the chance of this getting into the hands of somebody else. Vision is a -a one-of-a-kind thing, right? Until later, we don't think there is another Vision around. And with Tony Stark now being dead... I don't know if there's anyone else capable of making Jarvis and consequently making another vision. So I can't I couldn't allow vision to get in the hands of the Russians or the Iranians or the North Koreans or the Pakistanis or even the British or the French or the Germans or the Canadians. Because if that happens we're immediately on the other end of what they could do with it. Now, that doesn't mean what he did with Vision or what he was trying to do with Vision is right. Uh, uh, no, that is completely wrong. But as he's saying this, I can 100% understand where he's coming from. Of, I can't just allow this, I can't allow Vision to leave these premises and just be buried somewhere and hope that no one else hears about this and digs him up and two years from now, you know, there's something else flowing out, out about there. I can see your point if he was actually going to do something with Vision and, like, decommission him or sell off his vibranium parts. But they were actually trying to bring him back. And, in fact, I think they were trying to use him as a weapon. And at that point, it, here's the thing. Is Vision the U.S. property? I don't think so. 
He was created by Tony and by Bruce, and he is a sentient being. And actually, maybe Sword is actually maybe a multi-nation thing, but Vision was his own thing with the Avengers. He wasn't any person's property. He wasn't a weapon that was deployed by anybody. I know there's the Sokovia Accords, but... Uh, they they really ultimately would just say, yes, you can go there. No, you can't. But he was never anybody's property. I find it weird that he says he has the right in the eyes of the law to keep him. I think uh, I Wanda's would... point of being next of kin should be... I, I Look, I know it's ridiculous. He's a, he's a robot. I, I get that can't. that's ridiculous. Yeah, but he can't, he can't be... She can't be kin because he's not a living... He's not a human. They're married. He's not a human. He can't. She cannot be next of kin to him. He is not a living, breathing human being. And I would say because he was created on American soil through Tony Stark, who with his government contracts in and out, blah, blah, blah. But I would say I would agree with him being able to, to take the domain of this is property of the United States government or sword. But once again, Vision is not a, a living, breathing human being. Just like there was... I don't know if you guys have heard about this. Uh, I'm a photographer, and I was big, really big in photography years ago. There was a monkey that picked up a camera a few years ago and snapped a selfie. Now, we don't know if he did it on purpose, right? Mm-hmm. But then PETA and a bunch of other organizations tried to fight to get the monkey the copyright for this photo. <laughs> And ultimately, it went through so many courts, but ultimately it was ruled because he is not a human being. He cannot own the copyright to the photo. So the photographer who put the camera out there now, uh, like, rightfully owns the copyright to that photo. But now you can get in all different kinds of things if the monkey knew what he was doing. Or maybe it was an ape. I don't know. Someone might correct me on what kind of animal this was. It was a, it was a primate of some sort that was not a human. I think the same thing would fly here. A, they they probably technically and legally cannot be married, and she cannot be his next of kin because he's not a living, breathing human being. Yeah, well, Hayward's still scummy. I don't like him. He is. And, uh, uh, once again, I'm not I don't gonna, like the I way he treated this. He's very inhumane. I don't care. He, You know what? Vision is more human than Hayward. Okay? Let's just say that at this point. I, I, I will agree with you on that. I will definitely agree that he did some horrible things. And he, I hope to see him punished for all the horrible crap that he's done in this final episode coming up. I think he should have done things a lot differently and could have went about it a different way. But some of his points, I have to say, I believe he is legally on the right side of, whether we agree, whether other people agree with him or not. Remember, everybody, legally does not mean morally. So let's let's draw that line there for the listeners. Uh, so... Uh, he, uh, they, they resume working on vision right in front of her like idiots. And this makes her break the glass and she goes down there and everybody comes out with guns and Hayward, you know, just says, let her see for herself. And, uh, you know, she tries to touch where his, you know, head is and the mindstone would be. And, you know, she mentions that she cannot feel him. Uh, this is a reference to Infinity War, where 
you know, they could kind of, because her powers were amplified by the Mind Stone and that Vision has the Mind Stone, there's like this signature where they're able to still kind of like feel each other being there, right? And when she's trying to kill Vision before Thanos gets there, you know, Vision tells her it'll be okay, I'll only feel you, you know? And uh, this is just a heartbreaking moment here, played so well by Elizabeth Olsen, and she just leaves. And remember, this is we saw this from a different point of view in the original thing. Original thing, we see her break through and go down there, and you're led to believe that she stole the the body. Yeah, we're led to believe that she came in like like this ferocious being that just stormed into in the stored headquarters and probably killed a bunch of guards and destroyed all his property to get Vision back. And and she used her powers in, in these different ways. And then, like I said, uh, it, there was nothing near the truth. And really, Hayward, I feel like, was egging her on to try to get him back online. <laughs> you know, after, after everything we've seen later, I believe that to be the case, yes. Yes, yeah. Um, she drives to Westview. Uh, in, the, in her car, she sees, I guess, Vision was looking at... Uh, houses or maybe she was i'm not really sure it's it, it says i think it was signed by him on there yeah I'm not really uh, sure. to me it looks it's like he bought he bought a house uh or a piece of property in westview um and i think the comment said to grow hopefully to grow old someday to get yes. or something yeah. like that and man this might sound horrible but westview was a dump it was, yeah, it, you know, and so Wanda's made some improvements. <laughs> um, it looked like a dump from the outside too, though, you know, like when Jimmy was there in the first episode or fourth episode, whenever that was. But uh, it is, you know, a small town, which a lot of them have been struggling in in this day and age with the way that everything's being built up and people leaving and leaving small towns and, and such. So this is very, I guess, on brand here. Um, and uh, we get her, you know. seeing these characters. Yes. Yeah, we, we see all the characters that we've met before. Not all of them, but we see, like, Phil putting up a sign for. In a modern, yeah, yeah, in a modern, I don't even know how to explain it. In modern times, I guess. Yes, right. Regular outside of the hex before it's the hex. Yeah. We see, uh, you know, Mrs. Hart mustache though. Yeah, we see Mrs. Hart, uh, not her real name, but you know, like sitting on uh, a table outside on the street, like at a coffee shop or something. And we see her walking by. Yes. It was a great little montage of the characters that we've seen, and um. Wanda goes to the plot of the house that looked like it started construction, but I guess, you know, the snap and all that stuff happened. So, uh, nothing really got done. Vision dies, all that stuff. And, uh, she just kind of starts crying. And this is where I think we get the, as she tells vision later, she doesn't remember how this all started. She just kind of like is crying and just lets out this emotion, lets out this yell, and the magic just kind of, I feel like, takes over, right? Uh, it's almost like she's subconsciously creating this perfect world then because she's just been hit with so much grief, so much trauma that she's had enough. She, you know, she realizes now she can't even have the body to bury a vision after she, after her, you know, vision died 
and her brother has died, her parents have died. She's pretty much alone. Even Tony Stark, who was kind of like a uh, mentor at some point, and Cap, who was kind of like a mentor at some point, they kind of took care of her at Avengers Compound, right? And now they're gone, right? Cap's like 90 years old, probably moving on, right? <laughs> and you have uh, Tony is uh, dead. So she she's lost everybody. And it just kind of lets out this, you know, crying scream and the house starts constructing itself. And then we get a vision actually coming out of her and uh, being made just like she made vision. (laughs) She made vibranium, uh, which is crazy because they were able to track the vibranium. So we know that it's actually working. And then it turns into the 50s look and Wanda's in her dress and we get Vision telling her, welcome home. So let's backtrack a little bit as well. Uh, At some point before they started going through the doors, Wanda didn't want to go through initially. And Agatha had to bring up that the fact that she still had her kids somewhere which kind of made Wanda go through and, and decide she kind of had to participate in uh, what Agnes was doing or Agatha was doing. Um, and then we, we now cut to outside where uh, Agatha has her children again. Yes. And she has them like by the neck. She's got like these magic ropes, I guess, tied kinda around like lassoed a little bit. But yeah, not really? I don't know. And, the you know, as Wanda gets closer, she kind of pulls the children more, almost like, you know, she's choking them, pretty much. And she mentions that Wanda is using chaos magic and that she is the Scarlet Witch. And we cut. And interesting thing here with the cutting to the credits, there's no please stand by like we usually see. I guess because there's no more TV show. So I guess... That's why we're not seeing Please Stand By, but it's just interesting. I did I, Something threw me off about the credits, and I couldn't figure out what it was until you just said it. Like, you know, the credits kind of did the, their normal thing, and eventually it went to, like, the old-fashioned TV show or old-fashioned television where you turn it off and it kind of goes down to the dot. But I couldn't, like, something was off, and I couldn't figure out what it was. Yeah, yeah, that was something I noticed the first time. I was like, wait, that looked a little different. Like, I was waiting for the police stand by. Um, and we get the end credit. There's an, Did you see the other end credit scene, right? Yeah, you stayed yes. around? Okay. <laughs> I forgot to tell you about well, it, but a, you mentioned it. Well, so no, it's a Marvel thing. I stay yeah, yeah. for I, just about any movie now I stay, but especially Marvel. That's why it was so disappointing for, like, the first six or seven episodes. Was, <laughs> first six, yeah. Like, we're sitting there waiting, 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 and it was nothing. Yeah, so this is uh, Hayward finally unveils the thing they said they were launching at the last episode, right? It's ready to launch now, some soldier tells him. He goes in, and he said, we need it. All we are missing. We put this thing back together again a few times. Uh, all we missed were missing was the energy from the source itself, and they have the missile from the the drone that they sent in in the 80s episode 
that has all of Wanda's powers static around it. And they're using that to put Vision back online, but he looks a little different. He's all white, kind of like how he was at the end of, uh, you know, Infinity War when he had the mind zone pulled out of him. And uh, they turn it online and, you know, he's got like a little white stone, I guess, instead of a mind stone. He's got some sort of thing up there. But he's also his eyes are like glowing white and he's turned on and he's uh, looks at his hand and we get another cut there back to the credits. So to me, the way I took this was when he sent that missile in initially a few weeks ago, he wasn't actually trying to kill Wanda. Probably. So, yeah. Uh, Monica was, was off a little bit. Um, to me, what I gather is that he was actually trying to get, he was hoping she did what she did, where he was trying to get something with her power out so he could try and power up whatever this vision version 2.0 or white vision, or whatever it is that's called, I don't know, whatever it is. Yeah, a lot of people call, uh, a a lot of people call him white vision. Uh, Just some comic background here. He's technically alive, right? He's still online, but he, his emotional memories, his attachments, all that stuff is, is gone. So in the comics, he has no memory of falling in love with Wanda. Uh, and he just, I forget how it even happens. I think he gets taken apart by some uh, business or government thing and gets put back together, ends up as white vision and just leaves Wanda. Uh, I believe is what happens. He just leaves her and says like, Hey, I don't remember falling in love with you. And I don't even know what that really is right now because I don't have any emotion, so I'm just gonna move on. And he just leaves. Um, and that's heartbreaking for Wanda. <clears throat> so we could go that route, right? Where uh at the end of this whole show, she gets vision back, but he's not the same, and he just takes off, doesn't remember her. Or I'm wondering if maybe there's a way that she can fuse these two visions together. Can we take the memories? from the one in the hex and use the real body that can exist outside of Westview to make sure that vision stays online and stays, you know, good to go going forward. Uh, maybe, I guess. Um, I just, I, I have another thought of where I think, I hope this goes in the next 47 minutes. For next week or whatever it is. I think the time leaked out. I think it's like 47, 48 minutes or something like that. Um, I just know ultimately this still has to find a way to tie into Doctor Strange. So how and where is a multiverse or Doctor Strange going to come into play in this? Yeah, it's a good question. I I, I think at this point, I'm not really sure. Uh, and I don't really care in, in the honesty of like, as long as this plot line is wrapped up, I think we're fine. Um, it, the way I could see it wrapping up with tying into the multiverse of madness is 
Maybe white vision is the vision that stays. Wanda can't handle it again, and she decides she's going to a different multiverse where she can find a, a real vision. I don't. I don't know. Like, there's there's multiple ways, I guess, that it could still tie in. Um, could still do something with Pietro. We know it's not real Pietro now, but is it still one from another multiverse, or is it something else that still? We don't know. So maybe it could come from that. Um, or some part of the showdown with Agatha. Maybe Agatha does... You know how like in Avengers, right? They're they're mostly face, facing Loki. And then Loki goes back and reports to Thanos. What if Agatha is still the main antagonist of this show? She goes back and reports to somebody that is actually the villain of Doctor Strange 2. Uh, it could be something like that. I still think... Going back to uh, the first few episodes um, with the the comments of the devils in the details and a few other things, I still think, even though I don't know much about this this character, I still think Mephesto is the villain. And I think that ties into Emma Caulfield's character. Could do. I, I'm not really sure what to expect with some of these side characters anymore. I'm I'm not really I'm not really expecting much of them. And you know what? I'm not so sure Paul Bettany wasn't just pulling our leg with his comments of <laughs> working with an actor that he's wanted to work with his whole life because we only got an hour left of this show at most. Uh that I'm not really sure if we're gonna be introduced to new characters at this point and I same, I think that Avengers, uh, that that uh, Luke Skywalker cameo was probably Pietro, that Wanda, uh, that that Elizabeth Olsen was talking about, because she actually never used the words Luke Skywalker cameo. That was put into her mouth by other outlets and stuff. So I mean, we don't really know. Uh, I'm going in with lower expectations. All these people that were kind of thinking that like the aerospace engineer was going to be like Reed Richards or that we were going to get all of these uh, characters introduced and that, oh, the X-Men from Fox are coming over now because of Pietro. I really think that is not anything going on in this show anymore. I I, I mostly just want to see wrap-up with Agatha, the kids. We got Agatha, the kids, Darcy, Jimmy, Monica, uh, Wanda, you know, Vision. We we gotta wrap all of those ties, all those loose threads up within the next probably 45, 50 minutes. And then I think maybe an end credit scene with Doctor Strange is what I would guess. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely waiting. I'm waiting until the credits go completely off next week, and Thanos is or not Thanos. Uh, Ultron is sitting on my my TV screen up next for like five minutes before I decide to move on <laughs> for something else. Yeah. Cause they might, they might get weird and like have a super ultra delayed extra credit scene where if you don't wait five minutes, it, it you know, you never miss, you miss out. So I'm not even taking a chance. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to watch it all the way through. Even when they show, you know, who did the voice in Brazil and who did the voice in Spain and all that. I'm going to watch all that even though I know that's probably the end at that point. But uh, I'll need the time to probably sit there and reflect as well. So um, I'm looking forward to it. I, I can't believe it's already here. We're already at the end of the show. 
you know, Kevin Feige was saying some things about how there's no plans for season two. Obviously, this was meant to be a one season show, but he has mentioned that some of the other Disney Plus shows may have second seasons at other points. Um, so we'll see how it goes from there. Uh, I do just want to thank you, Casey, for coming on and talking the show with me every week for the last few weeks. I I will say the same thing I said a few weeks ago. Uh, thank you for inviting me because had you not invited me on to do this podcast, this show would be sitting in my queue. It would be something that I would have added like to my list and it would be sitting there and I would have missed out on the last several weeks of television of what I think might be the best thing on television right now. And I would have read and heard all these things and I probably would have thought, it's probably okay, but it's, it's it's probably not as good as people say it is. And all these things on Twitter would have made no sense to me. And I would have <laughs> not have known how much of a national treasure Catherine Hahn really is. And I would not have fallen in love with Elizabeth Olsen again. And I would not have even known that Paul Bettany was not only uh, the albino in The Da Vinci Code, but how fantastic he has been. And with Kat Dennings, I wouldn't have known about Photon, and I wouldn't have fallen in love with Jimmy Woo. But yeah, so I am glad you invited me because this this has opened up a much bigger world in the Marvel universe to me, and I'm very happy for it. Yeah, glad that I could. Uh, I know what you mean. Some of the shows that I put on my list and never get around to. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, I will be breaking down these other Disney Plus shows for anybody that's going to be sticking around. Uh, we will be. I have uh, some of my other friends coming on for Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is next on the 19th, March. And then Loki was actually pushed back to June 11th. So, uh, yeah, maybe we'll find uh, maybe another show that you can come on. Uh, there's a few in the fall as well coming out, Miss Marvel and Hawkeye. Maybe we can have you on for one of those as well. I, I'm sure I may. I, I may. My my plan right now, we'll see what happens, is to. I still got to do both seasons of The Mandalorian. Yes. Um, but at some point, as once. Uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Loki startup, I will probably go through and watch those as well. Just because, I mean, I know Marvel does fantastic stuff, but I didn't realize how much, not how much effort, but how much of a budget and everything that was going into these TV mm-hmm. shows, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it's like watching the movies. Really, like it's hard to tell the difference. <laughs> I, and I, I mean, the amount of work from like it, even the small things like the scripting and the set dressing and period piece costumes and, you know, even something as far as once Wanda had her little explosion there and everything in the town turned uh, black from, and white. yeah, went to black and white. And I tried to pause it and see what was on like the, the billboard for the movie theater, but I couldn't catch it in time. Um, but that like I saw one of the there was a billboard somewhere that said something about Snap, so I'm guessing that was referencing Thanos' Snap. Oh yeah, um, it could be. But like the the amount of work, even something as far as uh, I read earlier this week 
to do the Agatha all along song, they yes. were actually they were filming it piece by piece, like as they were filming all these other period pieces. Oh, really? Because they had like they 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 already had the set there. They had the costume. Like, That's they, true. You know, they, yeah. Everything was there, so they wouldn't have to redo it. So there was a they they talked about how like they would be done filming. They'd be like, okay, we have to do our Agatha all along piece, and then they would you know do whatever. So they they filmed that entire thing at the same time they filmed all these other period pieces of the 60s 50s and 60s and 70s that makes sense and then but and then they had to piece together but can you imagine how much work that is not only having the piece all this stuff and edit it just the regular show but now you have to have the grand plan of we're gonna do a 50s thing this week and the 60s one this week and the 70s one this week and, and and so on and so forth yeah but then we're gonna film another itty little bitty snippet of something that we're going to try and cut together and make something a little bit bigger for down the road it's like you know, when they do guardians 3 they're actually going to be filming uh guardians the holiday special too <laughs> at the same time there's a holiday yes. special for Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes, Guardians of the Galaxy, the holiday special, based you know like uh, kind of like the Star Wars holiday special. But I was going to be... say that that kind of gives me vibes of that, and that was yes. I vaguely remember seeing that a little bit when I was a kid because it had the Ewoks in it, mm-hmm. but I don't remember a ton of it, and maybe that's for the best because seeing some of the stuff from it now is like oof. <laughs> Yeah, so James Gunn has decided he's going to make his own holiday special. It's going to be on Disney Plus, and they're actually going to just film it at the same time as Guardians Three, save costs, be able to use the same sets, all that kind of stuff. So it'll, it'll be kind of like the same thing as the Agatha all along, I guess, but more, you know, like a longer thing. Uh, and uh, also with Agatha all along, the 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 writers, Kristen and Lopez, and um. Kristen Anderson Lopez, yeah, uh, you know they uh, they tweeted out uh, uh, some a video that somebody made showing that they've been preparing us for that song. Oh, with the little piano bars yes. and everything. Yes, all all the episodes, every single theme song and bits in the show have been using a lot of the same chords and notes from uh, Agatha All Along. That when you get to it, it sounds very familiar. Like they were, and if you watch this video. Uh, if you find it, it's on uh, Kristen Anderson Lopez's uh, Twitter that she shared it on. Um, and it, it just shows, you know, uh, all of the notes being played in that you're like, oh, okay. A lot of the theme songs share a lot of the same notes. And then you get to Agatha all along and it's sharing like the same sort of melody uh, that it really does set it up well where you're you're kind of prepared for the song to the point where it sounds familiar uh and it, it's a great song anyway i did buy it i, I do have it now <laughs> i'll buy it wait you bought it what do you mean you bought it it's on itunes you can go it buy on it iTunes? On, it's on itunes and spotify you can stream it am, you can listen to it i am buying this as soon as i'm done recording this podcast <laughs> and uh yeah so one episode left uh any last minute speculation here before we wrap it up? Uh, for me, I, I just yeah. I don't want it to end, but I know it has to. 
eventually everything has to 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 come to an end um i i i know what i like i said i know what i what i talked about what i kind of hope but i just don't i don't know i'm just i'm i'm really interested in seeing what happens me too uh, what i want people to do is just get get some of these thoughts out of your head. You know, I'm just reading something here where somebody says uh, there are that they think the episode is going to be super disappointing. Too many things are still not answered. And I don't think they have enough time to answer them in a meaningful way. I don't really know what else needs to be answered at this point. We already know how she created it. We know what led her to create it. We know what vision body where vision's body is. We know who the vision in Westview is at this point. Really? The only thing left is, maybe who Agatha is working with and just stopping Agatha at this point. I don't think there's many questions left, but their questions are, is Pietro from another universe? Is Monica going to meet her engineer? Who is the cameo? Is Mephisto in this final episode? Some of those again are are questions that you, that fans have built up with this. Who's the aerospace engineer? Um, I think we kind of already got that. I mean, I, I know that the military person wasn't the aerospace engineer, but, uh, you know, Monica called them. They gave her something that could try to get through the barrier. I don't know why else she would have to meet the aerospace engineer. She she got what she needed was the, the machine. And it didn't even work. You know, the vehicle didn't even work. Uh, so, you know, just uh, the the thing I always try to do when I sit down and watch these things is while I have all these theories, I try to sit down and just let the uh, le- leave some of that stuff at the door, you know, when I press play, because um, it's OK to have questions. But some of these questions, I feel like, are just things that fans have taken and run with to the point where no answer is going to be satisfying at all. Um, so I like the Pietro thing, I think that's almost soft too. We'll obviously see who he is with Monica, like if he's still under her control or not with Agatha. But, you know, Agatha already said he's fake Pietro. So I'm not really expecting much more from that. Uh, so the things what we have left to answer is really what's Hayward's ultimate goal here with, with the fake vision, the white vision? What is... Agatha's uh, end game. End game. Who's she working with? If she's working with anybody, uh, can the boys exist outside of the hex? And you know what? What happens to Wanda next? Yeah, pretty much. What happens next? How does she? How does this lead into Doctor Strange? Is pretty much the only things that I'm really worried about going forward. And what about Monica and Pietro? They were left on that cliffhanger at the end of end credit scene the previous week. So we do have to see them again. We didn't see vision at all this episode, like the, the vision that's currently in the timeline. We saw the one in the Avengers compound. Um, and I think that'll all be wrapped up. And I think at that point we're done. Like, I don't, I'm not expecting whole bunch of things except you know like i said everybody expecting like reed richards to show up and dr strange to show up maybe he does that at end credit scene but i'm not banking on that um you know you can tie in dr strange too without having benedict cumberbatch show up too so uh but ultimately i i enjoy this show 
no matter what this last episode brings, I don't think I'll end up turning on the show and hating it. So I'm uh, pretty satisfied with everything they've given me so far that I'm pretty much going to roll with whatever's left. I'm just, like I said before, I was ready for this ride and I just, I'm, I'm ready to see where it goes. So if you want to reach out to us with last minute theories and anything you want to reach here, email Marvel plus recaps at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at two infinity saga, facebook.com slash infinity saga beyond. That's it. So we will catch you all next week where we break down the finale series finale of WandaVision. See you next time.